the comic book pit. Okay. Okay, so this is Comic Book Pit episode 242. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And it's just us tonight. Just uh, Dan and Sean, Jared and Scott are out on assignment. Yes, in the Everglades. That's right. With the gators. Hunting gators. Hunting gators. Gulping, (laughs) gulping gators. (laughs) But, um... But we're here. We're going to talk some comics. We'll probably just... I think we're just going to jump right into it. We don't really have a lot of um, news or talk to uh, to go over, right? I think we kind of decided to yeah, just jump it's, in. It's been kind of a slow week in the, the comic newsroom. Slow news week, yeah. I mean, yeah. not counting all the uh, political clickbait that we were just talking about for the past hour. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that we just uh, we're you know, yeah, we, we're perfect examples of what not to do. And uh, in sports ball, apparently. Yeah, apparently there's a Super Bowls happening. Apparently there's a big game this this week. I heard it's the the U.S. Open for golf. <laughs> that's that's why. Or the lingerie bowl. Or, or or the well, don't forget about the puppy bowl. Oh, that's right. Was it like the 10th annual? <laughs> I don't know. It probably it's been around a long time. Um, okay, so uh, I'm just gonna jump right in, I guess. Hmm. So I um I caught up on the first three issues of Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures from um, IDW and DC respectively, and. I, like I, I read Batman, okay. I Turtles, I've, I've, I've never really been, um, like I don't have anything against TMNT. I've just never been a huge fan. Um, I don't read their stuff. I don't. I never watched the cartoon. Like the cartoon was, I was too old for it when it came out in the '90s, and I felt like I missed the boat on the on the black and white series. Like I, I kind of fell in this weird time when I, I kind of missed out on everything TMNT. So TMNT, TMNT doesn't really hold a lot of nostalgia for me. Okay. Like I can tell you all their names. I can't tell you. I think I only know like one or two by like their color and what weapon they wield. Um, so, Anyway, but I, you know, I, I I looked at the first issue of this, just the cover, 
and I'm like, oh, that looks kind of fun. It, and it's, you know, it's like the, 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 the goofy idea of Batman teaming up with the Turtles, um, along with the the art style, which was very animated, obviously, because you've got, you know, very animated characters, like, like the Turtles are, you know, the Turtles a lot of times are played up for humor, but the, uh, but the art style by, let's see, it's, um, John Somariva, um, it's very reminiscent of the Batman animated series style, but, but also it has a style of its own where it looks a little, like maybe a little anime-ish. Like it's it's got a lot of kinetic energy and a lot of youthfulness, but it doesn't feel like you're reading a kid's book. Um, and uh, it's written by Matthew uh, Matthew K. Manning, who I've um, I've not heard of before, but he you know they're they're right they're putting together a really fun story, and it's it's pretty simple. It's um, and you have to forgive me because again, my my knowledge of TMNT lore is not strong, but um, the alien the the Krangs are opening these portals, and there, there are portals that happen to lead from Gotham City to New York City, and they just happen to be opening in Arkham Asylum. So, pretty much all of Batman's rogues have, one by one, been sneaking through these portals in Arkham and ending up in New York City. And so Batman, Robin, and Batgirl followed. And so you've got uh, Joker, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Clayface, um, eh, who else... Uh, and Scarecrow are are over. They're in New York City, like I said, followed by Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. And of course, there's the obligatory um, the fight between the Bat family and the TMNT family because they don't, you know, they think each other are bad guys or something. Um, but then once they they come to realize that they're on the same side. You know everything's cool, and they come up with a plan. And but the um, yeah, it's just like it's, classic uh, crossover type stuff. Exactly, exactly. But it's really fun, and it's the 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 humor is is on point. Like it's not corny um, or cheesy. And uh, like I said, I I, I can appreciate uh, I can appreciate it because it's it really is done in that. That Bruce Tim, you know, the animated series style, but again, it's it also has its own kind of look uh, that really lends itself well to telling a story between, you know, Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, I would definitely I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through to the end. I've I've read the first three issues, and I'm I'm guessing it's only a, it's a four issue series. So, this looks very fun. Oh, it's great, and it, it, it is I'm you know it, you know it, it, it's one of those books that 
would be great for a kid, but also someone like me who's in his 40s, <laughs> who just likes reading a fun comic, who maybe, like, you know, maybe you miss a Batman who is, he's still the Dark Knight, but he's not as serious or not as down and dark and brooding as you might think. So. Cool. Yeah, I found the one that you're talking about. Either way, it looks good. I was, yeah. a, I was a fan of uh, Ninja Turtles when I was growing up. I, I, I didn't really know it was a comic until like later on in my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I was prime for that age. Like I was, I think I was nine when the first movie came out, and the cartoons were just. I think I saw the cartoons first, and then I saw the movie, and. I love the cartoons. They were just so fun. Like, I actually remember, uh, like, when I moved over uh, on the other side of my hometown, I uh, made friends with this uh, kid in the backyard. Well, not my backyard, but he was, like, catty-cornered in my backyard. And we both like Ninja Turtles, and we actually used to make weapons out of, like, sticks and shit. Uh, uh sticks. <laughs> and uh, I think I... Always used to try to do Donatello and Michelangelo, which FYI, making nunchucks out of hand and some sort of chain is a little bit tough. Huh. There you go. Well, yeah, I I feel like there are there are a lot of people, a lot of kids who who grew up with the cartoon, who you know didn't you know again same thing didn't realize that there was that its origins were in comic books. I, I think a, the same way a lot of kids now are, you know, who are growing up with the the Marvel movies aren't, you know, they don't, they don't, are not fully aware of the, um, the history or the, you know, the, the, the deep backstory that the, that the movies are rooted in with the comics. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting how they grow up Let's see, like, when they realized that there was Captain America comic books before Captain America the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Iron Man and so on and so forth. Like, still, Iron Man to this day always kind of perplexes me. The fact that I can't believe, like, how big he is. Because I remember, like, I don't know, my mid to late teens, he was always known as, like, the third tier type of Avenger, you know? Yeah, he was he was never really one of the one of the A-listers, but I think you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a on a limb. I don't think it's it's really a secret or you know it's a or it's a unique thought, but I'm pretty sure you know Robert Downey Jr. cemented that character uh, you know in, in our collective you know in the collective zeitgeist as it were that. You know, he really brought that character to life. Agreed. Yeah, that I can't think of any like those two were just such a, a good match. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't even know what they're gonna do. If, like they ever feel like they're gonna replace him, 
with like a younger version to carry on more Iron Man movies or something. But yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of tough to not see the two as one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let me do another another quick uh, quick review, and then uh, and then I'll let you let you take a turn. <laughs> um, okay. This is a a book that came out from Image Comics called Loose Ends, and it's by Jason Latour, who is one of the co-creators of Southern Bastards, and the art's by Chris Bruner. What's interesting about this, and it's 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 labeled as a uh, it's a four issue Southern crime romance, and what's interesting about it is it actually came out from I don't know if you recall there was a a small publisher a few years back called Twelve Gauge. Oh yeah, and I... this this actually came out um came out through that publisher. Over uh, ten years ago, and um, well, I guess a little over ten years ago, in two thousand six, they 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 put this book out. I don't think they they put it out to completion. I think they only put out the first three issues, from what I understand, and they never they never completed it, or they completed it and it was just never published. Um, but so they're they're reissuing it through Image. And um, so I, I, you know, I didn't know any of this until I started reading the first issue. And then I, I see that there was a, in the, inside the, the page that has all the credits and the indicia, there's the 12 gauge uh, published, like their logo is on the inside. And, and so that's how I, you know, I looked it up and everything. And, um, but this is, uh, this is really good. This first issue is really, um, it's almost like it's a um, the story and the art and the characters. It's almost like a precursor to Southern Bastards. Like Jason Latour, I mean, he he does the art for Southern Bastards, but he's also a pretty accomplished writer. And so I, I think he, you know, we, we only see the art in Southern Bastards, but I I have to imagine he brings a lot to the story writing part of it as well. Um, and, uh, Chris Bruner, I, I don't know that I know him, but his, uh, but his art style is great too. It's, it's, um, it has a lot of similarities to Southern Bastards, but also, uh, has some like different tones to it, but this is a really good first issue and, and along the same line, like the, has the same tone as Southern Bastards where everyone's just kind of awful and people do awful things and say awful things and everyone has pretty loose morals and everyone is kind of out for themselves. Um, I would say if there is an exact opposite to the last book I talked about, you know, Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it would Mm -hmm. be this, it would be loose ends, number one, but that's not saying this is a bad book. It's just like really switching gears. Um, but like I said, if you're if you like Southern Bastards, if you like that kind of storytelling, that kind of gritty, dirty, crime-driven storytelling, then this is definitely a book you want to check out. And it and 
rest in the knowledge that you know that it's going to be completed because they it it's already done. They just never, like I said, they they just never put it out through 12 gauge. But I guess since um, you know Jason Latour is part of the, the the team on Southern Bastards, which is being put out through Image, maybe they came to some sort of uh, agreement or something to put out his earlier work. This looks really good, though. I, I've, uh, I haven't really read, actually, I haven't read any Southern Bastards. I've heard it was a good book, I think, probably from you. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just checking out this, uh, like, the artwork online, and it looks great. I'm, I might actually check it out myself. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really enjoy the colors. I, I don't often mentioned colorist but um let me pull up his name because i would be remiss if i didn't mention him uh rico renzi was the colorist and it really um the, the the color really adds a lot to the story like this almost like you know when there there's scenes in the bar it's like this neon driven um, storytelling, but but they you know there there are a couple scenes where it's um, kind of a flashback, and they do some interesting things with the the art and coloring on that as well. like a must read yeah I, 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 like I said I, I recommend it just as much as I recommend the Batman TMNT book but just for completely different reasons cool uh, well I guess I can get started on my book review yeah definitely <laughs> uh, so I only read one but it, it was a graphic novel uh, I read March for the first time. Well, March book one by uh, John Lewis, uh, Andrew Aiden, I hope I said his name right, and Nate Powell. So I really didn't have any intentions to read it. I mean, I kind of did, only because I heard it was like a really good book. Um, but I kind of shy away from like real, I don't know, like historical realism, I guess. I don't, that sounded stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how to phrase it. Like, I guess it's, reading stuff like that doesn't really interest me all that much, unless it was like Torso, which, you know, it was a murder mystery, but that's yeah. a whole different story. So... But I figured, what the heck, I've been hearing good stuff about it, and and um, I thought I'd give it a try. And to tell you the truth, I really couldn't uh, put it down. It was just a good read. It was a good, solid read. Uh, to give you a small recap, if you haven't read it, um, it's about John Lewis's um, uh, congressman, I think? Congre- congressman... 
Right. Current. Well, cur- he's currently a congressman, but at the at the time of the story, he was just a he was a political activist. Yeah. And this is like his recounts of him, you know, joining the civil rights, uh, meeting Dr. Martin Luther King, um, participating in the in the sit-ins, and I think it was Nashville. And um, most of the book actually does take place mostly with him uh, doing the sit-ins. I mean, they give him like a, a he does. Uh, get a backstory like where he grew up and you know what kind of person he was before the civil rights movement kind of took him away well not took him away but like you know he got caught up in it like he wanted to be a um, a minister beforehand and then he met Martin Luther King and you know he joined into the, into the, the civil rights movement and there was just some stuff like I omit like I was growing up during a time well I guess they still have it or uh, during when they were doing like Black History Month and what I remember from Black History Month they always kind of like swept a lot of stuff it was always kind of like the beginning of the month was you know they talked about slavery and this is what it was and you know then you know, um, uh, the Civil War happened and then we were and then slaves were free and then they jumped like a hundred years. They never talked about like, mm-hmm. you know, the afterwards in the early 1900s. It was just like, this happened. Abraham signed a paper. Boom. A hundred years later. <laughs> and, we fought for, and then black people fought for civil rights. And it was Martin Luther King. And then, yay, we got civil rights. And it was just like, and that was it. It was March 1st. So, you know, I just kind of let it be because. I don't know. I just never, I just never considered it. I just, I guess I always took that type of part for granted because I always heard it so many times. But I never realized like how hard, like, I mean, I understood it, but I never, hearing it from like John Lewis's point of view, never realized how much crap that they actually put into it. Like the sit-ins, I've heard about the sit-ins, like, like a whole mess of times, but I just figured it was kind of like they all joined up at the church or at a friend's house and they talk about like, hey, okay, you know, we're going to sit in at the Woolworths, Woolworths and, you know, come what may, you know, we're, we're fighting the power. Right. I didn't realize they actually trained themselves to, you know, prepare themselves for like, the beatings or you know being spit in the face or um having water thrown in their face um as well as even um which actually kind of made me kind of sad uh, not to simplify my emotions but it was just kind of like it's like oh man i i just never never thought about that and it, that book kind of made me think about it a lot and I mean, I've always been appreciated, appreciative of, of um, what went in the civil rights. I just, I guess I always kind of wish I knew more details. Mm-hmm. But, anywho, kind of lighten up the mood a bit. Artistically, 
I loved the artwork. Nate Powell, I think it was Nate Powell that did it. I want to say it was Andrew Aiden that uh, wrote it uh, with John Lewis, but Nate Powell did the art, and I, I loved it. I, I feel like I should know his name more, but maybe I'm just confusing it with um, the creator of, uh, of the goon. Oh, oh, Eric Powell. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I used to get those two mixed up all the time. Okay. So it was like, you know, I'm like, did he create the goon? No, he didn't create the goon. It was somebody else. But this artwork was just, it was great. I, I loved everything. The pacing was good. Um, I kind of like that he didn't try to capture the exact, like, the exact uh, look of Martin Luther King or... Um, or uh, Ray, Lu- not Ray Lewis. Oh my God, <laughs> Ray Lewis. <laughs> totally John different. Lewis. To- two totally different guys. Totally different guy. <laughs> John Lewis. Um, which FYI, the story was. Although, wouldn't it be awesome? Sorry to interrupt. Wouldn't it be awesome if like John Lewis came out like in Congress, like Ray Lewis used to, and on on Sundays when he'd come out like spitting water and doing his dance and. <laughs> pumping his chest and getting uh, his, getting everyone all fired up. Man, I'd probably watch more C-SPAN <laughs> than if I heard that. I'd be like, did you see what John Lewis did? Holy smokes. I'd be like, what? C-SPAN. <laughs> like, <laughs> he tackled the Speaker of the House. I could go to the moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but it Usually when they they try to do, like, when cartoonists do likenesses, it always becomes very stale and very flat, which I think we've talked about on this show. Um, but there was uh, there was liveliness in those um, characters of those historical beings. And I, overall, I really enjoyed it. And overall, I would, I would suggest anybody who just wants to find out more or just have a good read read march i i really enjoyed it i'm actually going to read book two well i was going to say there's yeah there's book two and book three right yeah book three i believe just came out within the last couple months um i don't know when book two came out they seemed like they came out really quickly like it seemed like book one hit and then like the next year book two came and then this year book three came um, so maybe they had it all planned out and they just did a lot of it and they're just like, boom, 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 boom. Um, what was I going to say? But like book one was just so easy to read and it was so quick and it's only 121 pages. I know that seems like a lot, but it goes really quick and it was really good. So there you go. That's, that's my recommendation. It, it, yeah. Cool. Like it didn't show or sugarcoat anything. It just told you straight up, and they do drop the N word a couple times. Okay. So, and so if your stomach kind of turns to that, it does happen. They don't bleep it out. I don't know if it's hard language other than that word. I can't remember. I just remember that word came up. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's. The, the, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, they even, like, did test runs of this prote- of these sit-ins. Like, they didn't just... I, yeah, that was the part, too, that got me. Because I figured, like I said before, like, I figured they were just going to show up. This is what they're doing. You know, cops pulled them away. Fine. No, apparently they did it to a couple places before, you know, probably the, the one that history remembers most. So, okay. yeah. So I'm kind of I'm kind of eager what book two will bring. Obviously, I'm looking at the cover now, so I can kind of remember what book one looked like and what it was all entail. But it looks like they're going to cover. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what the burning bus is. Unfortunately, hmm. oh, my. hope my hope my black card doesn't get revoked because I don't <laughs> know what it is. But I know what the bottom picture is, and that's Martin Luther King doing his "I Dream of uh, I." I um, what was it? The I dream a speech. I, I have a I have a dream. I have a dream speech. Thank okay, you. Okay, now you're definitely getting your black card taken away. <sighs> Damn it! Come on, Sean. Damn it! Well, I have two. <laughs> I have white and black cards. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, that that's one that I've I've definitely um I I have been slacking on on reading that. And I I feel bad. That's something I've been on. The, the March books are, are something I've wanted to read for a while, even even before all the like the current, you know, the the the, the state of the current political climate. Um, you know, this Congressman Lewis is just such an amazing guy, and um, you know, some of our friends had the 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 honor of meeting him last year. You know, um, our friends, you know, Marcel Walker and Wayne Wise. You know, had the had the distinct honor of meeting him and speaking with him while he was here uh, in Pittsburgh last fall, and um, you know that just just they they couldn't say enough great things about him. In fact, it almost seemed like he, he was beyond description. You know, just his 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 person, his being is just like. You know, it's just like amazing. So, yeah, I, I'm actually totally envious of those two now. <laughs> like before, I admit, I didn't, I didn't understand who he was or knew what he did. I mean, I knew he was in civil rights, but as well as a congressman. But yeah, like I would totally would love to meet him now. Like, dude, he just seems like a very interesting person. Yeah, I and I, I hope he. I hope he sticks around for a long time because I think his uh, as as important as he was, you know, forty fifty years ago. I, I think his his work is still he he's still needed. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. he's still a hero to a lot of people, and I think he is sorely needed now more than ever. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Anything else, Matt, or are you, uh... No, I didn't really read anything else, unfortunately. Or okay. at least nothing current, current. I, I no, that's okay. Dabble back in the Hellboy, but those are some, like, trades from ten years ago. But Well, I was just going to talk about, about ROM okay. real quick. Uh, so I, I read the ROM, Volume 1, The Earthfall... 
trade paperback. And now this is from IDW. This is not the ROM that we know and love from the old days of Marvel. He's still, you know, ROM Space Knight, and he still has that same kind of armored look, and he is still fighting the good fight against the Dire Wraiths. But, you know, yeah, you know, a few a few differences. Um, well, this this ROM has been around... Now, okay, I, I guess I should back up a little bit and say that I have never read any ROM comics from Marvel. And, and ROM from Marvel was around a lot longer than I thought he was. So he... His um, his series went for seventy five issues and four um, four annuals. Wow! Yeah, really? he went. It went from December seventy nine to February eighty six. And I guess he, you know, and, and and he would show up periodically throughout the Marvel universe, the Marvel continuity. Um, but it, you know. If, if you're not familiar with with the origin of Rom, Rom was he was a it was a toy first. He was a, a toy, and they were the the toy company was trying to build a property around him with you know board games and you know other toys, and it eventually branched to to comics. And the the funny thing is that the toy line. The ROM toy line was a was a failure. Um, and they they subsequently abandoned the the toy line, but the comic book far outlasted it. So so I, and I think for a long time after you know ROM had ended, there was a like the 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 idea of who owned the rights to Rom kept the character in limbo for a long time because, you know, they wouldn't let, I guess they wouldn't let Marvel put any, any new Rom stories out there. But I guess if, um, last year, IDW licensed the character from uh, Hasbro who owns the character. And you know IDW is doing this whole this big line wide story called Revolution, where they are integrating a lot of their properties all in the same universe. So GI Joe, Rom, Micronauts, Transformers, um, Mask. Remember Mask? Actually, no, I don't. I mean, Mobile. I know. I know it was, it was like the, the vehicles the, that changed into like transform, not transform, but like like the the car would pop, like spread wings and fly, and but mm-hmm. it, it it had pilots. They weren't like transformers. You know, they had like human pilots, um, and it was it was mobile armored strike command was the acronym for mask. <laughs> well, these all all these properties are now existing in the same universe and they're crossing over, which, which sounds really cool in, in, in a real crazy way. Unfortunately, I, I read a couple of the revolution issues. They're not great. 
mostly, I mean, just, I, I think it's a good, I, it's, I think it's a fun idea. The execution was severely lacking, but that's neither here nor there. So, so, you know, fast forward back to today, you know, um, Rom is back and, you know, he's got a, he's got a new book and this is the first volume of the collection. It's, and it collects, um, the first, uh, five issues plus the, there was a free comic book day, uh, issue. And it's, you know, it's a pretty good sci-fi story. It's, you know, if not a little, um, uh, straightforward kind of, you know, it's like science fiction 101, but you've got, you know, the, you've got Rom who's part of the, um, well, I, I guess they don't really, I mean, well, they kind of call themselves space knights, but they might be moving away from that. I don't know maybe, maybe Marvel owns that or something, but they, they keep referring to him. He keeps referring to himself as a knight of the soul star order. And they're, they're kind of like cosmic, you know, like they're knights. They're like, like knights of the old days that they, they go around and they, they defend justice and truth and right wrongs and protect the innocent, things like that. Um, and their big enemy, they're, are this alien race called the dire wraiths. And I guess the 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 knights wiped out the dire wraiths but the they came back and and rom followed the wraiths all the way to earth and the one thing is and, and again i don't know anything about the marvel series so i don't know if this was the same but he you know rom references a couple of times in this first volume that he's been fighting this war or fighting the dire wraiths for like 200 years. So like, wow. So he he can't really be like a dude (laughs) in this suit. So I, I I don't know if he's a cyborg or if he's an alien. That was always kind of the, the mysterious thing about Rom is I don't think you ever saw what was under the armor and whether that was by design or they just had no idea what they could and couldn't show because Rom was owned by the toy company and maybe the toy company had no idea. Um, so we, we, we don't know what's under the armor, if there's even anything under there or if he is just a machine. Um, but, uh, let's see, but this was a, it, it was a fun story. It, like, like I said, if not just pretty straightforward, it was like science fiction one Oh one. Um, pretty good writers. Uh, uh, Christos Gage, I always tend to like stuff he writes, um, along with Chris Ryle. I, I don't know him, but they're, I guess, a pretty good writing team because they put out a pretty good book. And our artist, David Messina, um, he turned out a pretty good, uh, a pretty good first volume. So I, I, you know, I hope they, as long as they can keep up this this level of storytelling and maybe even ratchet it up a little bit, just, you know, put it up a notch. Uh, maybe after this first volume, they'll do some more 
you know, to do a, you know, a little deeper storytelling. Because, like, you know, this this first, like I said, the first volume, it was, it was good, but it was kind of, you know, like your typical aliens invade. And but these are the kind of aliens that, um, can like uh, inhabit a person, and then they are working for the dire wraiths, or it, or they. You mean like a symbiote? Uh, sort of. It, 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 what, or it's almost like they take they take that person's persona, like they become that person. So, like, 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 like once once a dire wraith takes over a person, it's like there's no saving that person. Cool. It's like they they take over. The, you know, they that that person like what they look like, what they sound like. Like invasion of the body snatchers, but lethal. Yeah. Like they, instead of them being in like a safety of a pod and they're sleeping, right? And there's this clone running around. They just physically just take over this body, and you just have to kill it. Exactly. There's there's no coming back from this, and um, and and Rom kind of has his work cut out for him because, it, you know, the the dire wraiths have infiltrated parts of the military and um, there's one part where they've basically taken over an entire small town. So yeah, there's some, you know, there there's, uh, you know, some pretty heavy stuff going on. I think uh, Rom has some help though. It seems like at the end of the, the series or at the end of the volume, um, it looked like a couple of other space knights showed up. They kind of crashed down into the ocean, but that was at the like the very end of the the book, and you don't really get anything more than that. So I'll have to keep reading to find out what is going on. Cool. But yeah, it was you know, like like I said, you, you don't have to know anything going in to read this. You don't have to have read all of the previous Marvel stuff. In fact, maybe it's better if you don't, because if you're like a slave to that material. You may not, you may not enjoy the new take on it. I don't know. Like I said, I, I I never read the old stuff, so I don't know how closely this is following, if at all, to the old material. I I'm I'm with you on that boat, man. I I heard a rom like growing up, but. I really never read any kind of comics with him in it. I actually always just thought he was a robot. So yeah, I, I kind of did too, and and I, I don't know if the the jury's out on that or not. I I I've read something that maybe he's a cyborg, but you know, to me, a cyborg still means there's still some person left in there somewhere. Yeah, you know, and I guess if he's been fighting the good fight for 200 years thinking you might be more robot than human by that point yeah I mean I don't know if cyborgs age I assume they do I mean I don't know they, I don't know I mean like you know science fiction cyborgs I mean nowadays you can get anything implanted in, you know, in your body and be considered a cyborg I guess on some mm. sort of science fiction level, but I mean, like, legit 
like I'm trying to think about a nice side look. Um, With the X-Men Cyborg, um, mm. the Time Traveler. Cable? Uh, yeah, Cable. Yeah. Um, is he a Cyborg, though? Because he's... See, I, I I don't know if like a certain percentage of your, your body has to be... Like, Cyborg from DC is... I, I consider him definitely a Cyborg because he only has like half his face and like part of his chest... And like everything else is mechanical. Uh, yeah, I guess Cable only has like one arm gone. It's like his leg. arm. No, I think it's his arm and his eye. Oh. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know what the strict definition of a cyborg is. Well, I know uh, Steve or Steve Austin. A six million dollar man. He was a cyborg. Was he? They oh wait, well, because they because well, they, they rebuilt him totally from scratch. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, you're right. So what parts did they keep though? I don't remember that series. I guess maybe well, a brain. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I'm I'm I haven't watched a six million dollar man probably since I was in like single digits. So that's probably not the best example for me. I don't know. We might have to uh, dig deeper on this one. Maybe do some yes. research and come back next week with an answer. Yes. <laughs> like a percentage. Just be like, okay, if you lose an arm, you're not a cyborg. But. You know. Right. Like, okay, so like, look at Forge from the X-Men. He has a mechanical leg and a mechanical hand, but I would not call him a cyborg. No. But would you consider... Oh, what's his face? Um, I feel like there was one character that just had a brain on top of a robot. Um, wasn't that a... Wasn't that a villain? Wasn't that a, like a DC villain... Maybe not. I'm, maybe um, I'm thinking of like Ultra Humanite, but hmm. was he a Nazi? I feel like it was a Nazi character that had a brain on top of a robot. Oh boy, that could be anything. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> that was probably like in a Hellboy book or something. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because that that definitely sounds like something Mike Mignola would would come up with. Maybe maybe it's that book since I was just kind of reading some of it. So we'll have to uh, yeah we'll have to put it out there. Maybe we'll see if we can we'll have to come up with more cyborg characters and, and try and figure out like what is oh. the what Terminator. Is the... He's considered cyborg. Is he? Because I yeah. thought. That... I mean, I always considered him a robot because, or like a very smart robot because, I mean. Well, just because he's covered in skin, does that make him. But I, it's organic skin. But I, I thought you still had to be like a person. I thought you still had to have some sort of like semblance of 
a personality or a soul. You know what I mean? Like, so so Steve Austin, the six million dollar man, is a cyborg because he's still himself, like a cybernetic organism. So he's still he's still you know he he's mostly machine, but like Darth Vader, and, Darth Vader's probably a cyborg. Yeah, because he lost all his limbs and and he's he needs help with the breathing and he wears like the the controls on his chest and which doesn't seem like a very good idea design wise I mean like design wise his, his suit and costume looks great but... like as in someone could just walk up to him and like flip the off switch on his chest yeah. control <laughs> like just punch him in the chest and be like hey you need to breathe boom no more <laughs> you're yeah. done Oh, you know, what if someone just like dropped like yeah? Why doesn't just someone just drop a like a an EMP on him? Yeah. Boom. Later, like, Vader. <laughs> yeah. You know, just stuff like that. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just or just funny wise, like some stormtroopers could just be like having coffee with him and just be like, hey, what does this button do? Click. <laughs> I knew I should have brought my surge protector. (laughs) Damn you, Higgins. (laughs) Sorry, balls. (laughs) Well, we'll have to figure that out. Now I'm like kind of... like There's got to be some sort of scale, you know, like between from, you know, strict machine, like a coffee pot, to, you know, like... What is the the percentage between man and machine to make a cyborg? Yeah. Like I've I've been watching a lot of um, the the recent Battlestar Galactica. I'm rewatching it. Mm-hmm. And the Cylons, the ones that look human, I would say those they're cyborgs because they're they're like a mix of machine and flesh you know that's what i think like i think there has to be but i thought they were kind of like i thought they were like uh they took on other personas like that person still exists like i i see i never watched Battlestar galactica i was trying to and then i just i guess life just got uh, away from me um but wasn't it like that the starbucks like alive, but it being a person, but then you find out she is a Cylon. But well, you, you find out in like the last season that some characters, I don't, and I don't want to say, even though Battlestar has been, you know, been off the air, you know, it's been around for 10 years, it's still really good. So if you haven't watched it, Sean, you should watch it. Um, there's, there's a handful of characters in the last season that you find out are Cylons that they didn't know that they were like sleeper agent. Like they didn't know that they were Cylons. Um, but you know, there are a handful also like a handful of Cylon agents throughout the series who have like many copies of themselves. 
Okay. That they can, like, say if one dies, they can they can upload their consciousness into another model and come back to life. Hmm. Okay. But, but there are, they're, they're called the, I think they're called the final five in the last season. Like they're the, the final five Cylon agents who don't know their Cylons. And they're sleeper cells. Yes. They're, Although I don't recall that they do anything bad, because they still, as far as they're all concerned, they're all human. Like, and the the fact that they find out that they're Cylons like completely wigs them out. I guess I need to watch that series. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, it my it was my intention to just. I don't know. I guess I just I started watching it and then. You know, I, I mean, your your wife can probably get them for you from, from the library. They're all on DVD. Yeah, probably. I think there's also on Hulu too. If I look, although I think they might have like the 1981 um, version. They have I, actually. That's how I'm watching it. I'm watching it on Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be on Netflix, but they took it off Netflix. I don't know when. And it's on Amazon, but like not Amazon Prime, so you'd have to pay for it, but. Um, but if you have Hulu, the, the whole series is on Hulu, so. You know, watch it there. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the need of uh, a new series to watch. I'm, um, yeah, I'm about three quarters of the way through season two right now, so. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think we've, uh, yeah, we've successfully gone down a great rabbit hole again <laughs> as, as as we often do on this show we're you know we're, we're kind of pros at it right now you know at this point we're <laughs> we're good at losing our way but i but i i, I enjoyed the, the whole cyborg thing i i think that's I, th- I think that's important i think that's something we have to we should keep going with and maybe uh next time we'll have uh, some other voices to weigh in on their opinions yeah. so um, anything else you'd like to mention or talk about before we sign off? Mm, no, I think I'm good to go. Okay. Um, I'm just going to quickly mention my other podcast, just, uh, just to pimp that a little bit. It's called the Pilot Season Podcast, and it's a show that I do with my, with my wife, and... We watch just the very first episode of a television show, just the pilot episode, and we discuss it, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We've done about a, a baker's dozen of episodes so far. If you don't know what a baker's dozen is, that's 13. So, um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun doing stuff like that with, with, with your wife. If you have a significant other, um, do a podcast. It's fun. It's something. It's something you guys can do together. You know, um, I'm not. I'm not saying it directly to you, Sean. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm like, Sean, do a pod, do a podcast with your wife. Uh, oh, I'm just speaking in general terms. Um, yeah, it's it's fun having that uh, that thing that that you do together. So, and uh, she's a natural. I, you know, she was she was worried at first when we started doing it, but uh, she she's a natural. 
that's why that's why I love her. She's she's good. She's good at it. So she's a good podcaster. That's that's the only reason why I married her. <laughs> Actually, so. I do like your show. The the other show. I've been listening to most of them. If oh, not, thanks. I haven't listened to the latest one. This is us, and I usually listen on Stitcher. And for some reason, I haven't. Uh, I guess your latest one's not on Stitcher yet. So. Oh, okay. I, well, the, the the last one we did was uh, we watched the Wonder Years. Okay. I might have to just go to your website and just listen through there. Yeah, there's. Um, you can download them, or there's another. Like you can listen to them directly on the website. You can stream them right there. You don't have to download them. So, either or. Cool. So. But I am thoroughly enjoying them. They're really fun. Well, thank you. I like how you both have like nice chemistry. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'll and I'll 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 pass that along. She'll be happy to hear that. So, all right. Well, I guess that sounds like that's about it. So this has been episode two forty two of Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. And I'm Sean. And we will see you next time. See ya. Or I guess later. <laughs> later.